Tuesday, March 12th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Chief Investment Officer Andy Cross. Good to see you guys. Hey, hey. Hey, Chris. Uh, we've got Costco's latest earnings. We're going to talk about Costco and the whole membership model business, but we're going to start with the story that we touched on yesterday, which is the New York City Mayor Bloomberg soda ban, which was supposed to go into effect at midnight, um, but uh, just hours before the ban was supposed to go into effect, State Supreme Justice Milton Tingling Jr., and what an awesome name that is. Fantastic. It really is. Uh, State Supreme Justice Milton Tingling halted the ban. Um, he called the proposed regulation arbitrary and capricious. Uh, because it applied to some drinks, but not all of them. It applied to some food establishments, but not all of them. Uh, and I'm quoting from uh, Judge Ting- uh, Tingling's ruling, the loopholes in this rule effectively defeat the stated purpose of the rule. Mayor Bloomberg responded by saying, we believe the judge's decision was clearly an error and that we will prevail. But clearly, Jason, in the short run, a victory for... Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, you know, Dunkin' Brands, Coca-Cola, Pepsi. Yeah, and this was breaking like right as we were going to set on investor. I, I was going to say, I mean, just to pull back the curtain a little bit uh, for our daily video show, Investor Beat. This we were about to talk about how the band was about to go into effect, and maybe two minutes before we started to tape. Rex Moore, our colleague, came running into the studio and said, a judge just halted it. We were like Peyton Manning up there calling audibles and yeah. stuff, changing the story. That was great. No, but I mean, I, you know, whether you fall, regardless of what side of the fence you fall on regarding this decision, I mean, I think that the judge is right there. It does seem like the rule itself in that it applied to Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts, but then you could go across the street to a 7-Eleven and get a big gulp. I mean, there's something inherently wrong with that. It yeah. sort of plays favorites. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was listening to, you know, the news on the way in this morning, and it seemed like the majority of New Yorkers were siding on the, the, the pro-choice side. I mean, they were like, look, I mean, we don't need people telling us what we can and can't drink. I, I, I do agree that obviously obesity is a big problem out there. I mean, I think it's, it's, is it somewhere in the neighborhood of 66% or something of, of, what are, what are the statistics there as far as our, our Wait, population? Yeah. Well, there's over, there's overweight and there's like, like really obese. There's overweight and obese. Well, I mean, there's, any which way you look at it, I mean, you're looking yeah. at sort of those empty calories. There's no doubt that's a problem. But I do think, I do think the judge was right in doing this because I think that needs to be a little bit more hashed out there and exactly who is affected here. It, it seemed to play favorites to a degree. Um, definitely, I think Dunkin' Donuts walks out of here a winner, like we talked about yesterday afternoon. Duck, Dunkin' Donuts' flow chart, as Mac, as Mac referred to it, of what we can and can't sell you now, and, and you're going to have to go add your own sugar to your big beverages. I mean, that, that was took a lot of time to figure out what that flow chart was really saying, so I think it was going to lead to a pretty awful customer experience or you know less less than uh, less than stellar experience, so to speak. But I, I think that really uh, give this thing a little bit more time, let them figure out exactly how they want to implement it, if they want to implement it. I, I'm not surprised to see yeah, this. Yeah, and the question is, who does this? Is it is it Mayor Bloomberg? Is it City Council? Is it the state of New York? Like, how, how is this all determined on, on what size? I mean, right here, this is an honest tea bottle. It's 16 ounces. You know, so anything larger than this would essentially be banned if it right. has is a sugary and how much sugar would be counted and all those all those kind of details that have to be worked out that this seems to be I mean, Mayor Bloomberg, he's donated a lot of money to Johns Hopkins. They've named the School of Public Health after him now. I mean, he he's had lots to say about cigarette usage and, and, and um smoking in New York and helping get rid of um helping implement bans in New York. So he public health is a big a big issue for him. He's in his twelfth year now and he's just 
he's basically like a bull in a china shop, just <laughs> going straight for it. He's like, damn anybody else. Hey, I don't want you eating, drinking big sodas. You're not going to drink big sodas on my watch. Well, and uh, I mean, just to, uh, you know, back him up a little bit here. If you're the mayor of New York City, part of what you're doing is looking at the budget of New York City. And when you look at the cost of public health and you look yeah. at something at, in terms of not just, hey, this is, it's better if you, don't smoke. It's better if you are not overweight. Uh, not overweight. He's also looking at it from the standpoint of, hey, this costs our city. This is costing us yep. hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, and I mean, so like, I, if you look at it from the smoking perspective, so he worked to get the ban on smoking inside, uh, and and I think that most anyone would agree with that. I mean, you're you're looking out for the public for the public's welfare. They're smoking inside. You're not you're not telling people they can't smoke; they just can't do it inside. And something where you're getting uh, calories listed for for menu items, I think that makes sense just from the perspective that you're educating consumers. We're not telling anybody what they can or can't buy. We're just simply offering you more insight and, and helping to educate you more. And I think that's where a lot of people felt like this maybe crossed the line uh, the judge included is that you weren't you were going past the point of educating the consumer uh in in going going to where you were essentially telling the the consumer what they can what they can and can't get and and then to top it all off it did seem to sort of have sort of that favoritism in that you had options it's just that you know you had you had your your starbucks and your dunkin donuts that were going to be affected by this more than your your 711 so to speak so i i think that was where where the real problem here's the, here's the investor take on this chris is though this is a shot across the bow i mean if you're pepsi of which i own if you're coke which if I you're own. if you're yum brands if you if you are anyone who is who is selling um products that may be on the in the bullseye of the public health, um, you know, watchdogs. You're paying attention to this because this may impact exactly what you're going to be selling over the future. And I think any person who invests in those companies, including myself, has to be looking at this as an issue for investors. Absolutely, and I think that while this was a victory for Coke, Pepsi, Starbucks, Dunkin' Brands, as we've talked Temporarily, about, yeah. it seemed like the most shallow symbolic victory yeah. possible. I mean, and I was in favor of the judge uh, making the decision that he did. But to Jason's point, obesity is yep. a growing health challenge in America. No pun intended. Uh, huh? No pun intended. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, this is this is one of those things where it's like, okay, th- yep. this didn't happen. But, yep. by the way, when this ruling was handed down yesterday afternoon, it wasn't like those stocks suddenly popped 5% right. across the right. board. In fact, I believe Pepsi finished down for the day. So this is, yeah. I, I think that investors, certainly at the, the macro level, are looking at this for what it is, which is this is a symbolic victory, but that's all it is. Yeah, and it's, I mean, this whole issue is, it's a piece of a larger puzzle. I mean, we've lost our soda machines here at the Motley Fool, and it's, it had caused a lot of, you yeah. know, kind of consternation about, about, um, that decision. So, um, Public health is a growing issue and a hugely important one, and I think this is Mayor Bloomberg's way of, of like I said before, just going after it. It is a, a piece of, of the larger puzzle that needs to be addressed, um, which includes a whole host of issues, including including uh, physical activity. Um, so uh, this, is, to me, is a big headline, and it has garnered, garnered a lot of, of headlines, and it's something that investors have to pay attention to if you're looking at any of those um, food and beverage companies. I tend to believe, too, this is probably going to be something we're going to continue to see more and more of, especially if we're going towards uh, sort of the, the direction where, I mean, healthcare is going to be I mean, we we know that with with President Obama's health care legislation, for example, I mean, uh, health care, I believe it's going to be required. You're required to hold health insurance. So, I mean, if we're going to get to a point where, you know, we as a country 
uh, are are supporting our healthcare system more or less through whether it be Medicare, Medicaid, or just you know the insurance companies and everybody having to, to hold insurance, it becomes a a greater concern for society as opposed to something like well you're just dealing with smokers or you're just dealing with with educating consumers in one capacity or another. It's essentially we're we're, we're kind of all on the same boat together. I do think it is a a big deal to to really focus on the education side of things. I mean, I know that with with my kids, for example, I'm sure that you will when your daughter gets old enough as well. Uh, and I and I imagine that you do the same thing with your kids is educating them the things that are good to eat and not good to eat. I mean, uh, I I don't think that McDonald's I think that McDonald's is in the face of a, of a real big time secular headwind here in that we're we're teaching our kids for the most part that McDonald's doesn't necessarily represent the healthiest menu in the world anymore and so i think that you're you're going to kind of find more of the fast casuals and whole foods and things like that uh you know taking advantage of that but interesting i mean mcdonald's has made some changes to their menu i mean so they so people are receptive to this and preventive medicine is by far the best i mean like you know that that is by far the best option so i so um in in some ways i applaud the, the 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 um philosophy behind mayor bloomberg's approach here uh even though maybe his tactics were 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 a little bit off um but it does open interesting discussion points around companies like Chipotle, which is has its food with integrity mission, mission, um, and other food and beverage companies that are trying to do smart things um, with uh, the way that we're consuming um, food. And investors looking at that and finding out what the best investment angle is. A few numbers from Costco's second quarter results. Earnings up 39%, same-store sales up 5%, and uh, Jason... Uh, part of that higher traffic uh, was due to Costco selling gasoline. Um, it, it seems like it, I, I don't know. It, it, <laughs> there's nothing really surprising. There's Costco nothing really is. surprising. I'm, ju- I'm just sort of laughing because it is. It is maybe the you know when when we talk about like what's what's your worst investment decision you've ever made? The worst investment decision I ever made was to not buy Costco the first time. Our colleague Bill Mann told me, like, really laid it out, sort of the the thesis for buying Costco. Yeah. This was, I think, the year two thousand, and I it just I love Costco. I'm not a member there, but it's it's great to see a company just crushing it the way that they continue yeah. to do. And you don't need to shop at Costco. I think. I mean, I'm not a Costco member either, but I mean, we could we could extrapolate that further out to other membership models. And we've we've mentioned Amazon before. I think we'll talk about that a little bit today as well. But when you look at at these these membership models and Costco just generates a, a boatload of cash from those membership fees, which which really allow it to, to really run a profitable model more or less because other than that, they're running on just razor thin, you know, one and a half percent net margins. Uh, but that's the point is they are just going to give you, it may not always be the rock bottom lowest cost, but they're going to be darn close and it's going to be uh, a pleasant experience, I think, for the most part in, in sort of doing it. But these membership models, I think, also help dictate behavior going forward. And I mean, I, I think, you know, the example for me with Amazon is that I used Amazon one Christmas. I, I signed up for Prime to get a gift from you know, to 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 my father, I think it was. I needed. I had like two days to do it, and all of a sudden, I realized, wow, that was a pretty nice deal there. I figured out later on that just in three months alone of toilet paper and paper towels, that pays for Prime in my house, yeah. and so the rest is just gravy. And so now Amazon all of a sudden has me essentially for life, and I think Costco is the same way. They have a lot of people for life. They'll be able to sort of incrementally bump up those membership costs as time goes on. They don't have to do anything crazy, and people. Will 
probably still pay it. And, uh, and you know, life will go on. I think the, the one concern I would have with Costco is really at what point their store, their store base sort of reaches a maturity level. Because once it does reach that maturity level, then you're looking at a, at a concept that really probably doesn't have a whole lot of growth left. Yeah. Granted, they, they do generate a lot of cash and can still return a lot of that to shareholders. You know, interesting is you probably can't buy a smaller size soda in Costco than 16 ounces. <laughs> yeah. So if I, I don't know yeah. if they have a Costco in New York, but you know, um, I think they do. Another uh, business that may be affected by Mayor Bloomberg's. Yeah. Um, but uh, the interesting part with Costco is when when we have we've talked to Jim Senegal many times, who's who was the um, f- phenomenal leader of Costco for so many years, and he was talking about the big challenge for Costco is getting people through their lines, and it's not so much. Um, cannibalization. Me- meaning to check out? Yeah, to check the out. Throughput, yeah. Yeah, sort throughput, of like which, throughput, which Whole Foods does so well. I mean, I'm willing to shop in a Whole Foods and pay a little bit higher price mm-hmm. because I know the experience getting through, through the lines will be so efficient. Costco, that's always been a challenge for them. Not so much cannibalization from stores in this area, for example, in the DC yep. area. So I think they do still have, um, some room to continue to, you know, populate off their 600 million or 600 store count location, whatever, um, you know, it may be certainly a, a large number. So with them, though, the membership model, though, as Jason said, is just the magic. I mean, that's where all the margin is. They fight for you to keep mar- to keep prices low. You're going to pay for the membership, and the membership is just automatic for so many people just to pay over that, you know, $8,500 plus fee a year, depending on whether it's individual or corporate. Um, and it's just a no-brainer to make that, that call. And those are great businesses. When you're at the no-brainer stage, of your uh, consumer um, buying habit, those are great businesses. Amazon does not release member uh, does not release numbers about Amazon Prime, but uh, Morningstar has put out a report, um, and <laughs> according to Morningstar, they estimate that Amazon Prime uh, numbers somewhere north of ten million members. That Amazon Prime members spend more than twice as much on an annual basis as non-members do. And that it generates upwards of a third of Amazon's operating income. Um, obviously, Costco has more members than Amazon does with Prime. But when you look at those numbers, Jason, it just seems like increasingly, if you're Amazon, isn't that your number one focus? Just oh, getting this. as many people as possible into that Prime membership? No question there. And that's why you see them continue to add these little value adds yeah. to it, whether it's the, the, the Prime streaming or the Kindle lending library. I mean, they, they continue to, to offer little compelling knickknacks to kind of keep you in there. And I mean, I've said this, you know, before. I mean, they could, they could, you know, Jeff, Bezos, please don't take this to heart. They could double Prime, and I would still pay. They could triple it, and I would probably still pay it. Because for me, you know, it's a value. We use the streaming, we use the books, we use the shipping, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I think that the, the thing that's so fascinating to me is with Amazon and Costco. Where do you see these guys advertising ever? Can you imagine if either of them really adopted a an effective advertising campaign to really promote their model, their membership, whether it's Costco or Amazon? I mean, a lot of that. Is from just word of mouth and yeah. and people re-upping and uh, you know I mean again I think they have a lot of people in there for life and they continue to kind of get that good word of mouth advertising and as they continue to add those little those little knickknack uh, value add services that'll continue to grow and I mean I, I've seen those Morningstar projections of of upwards of twenty five million or so Prime subscribers by twenty seventeen yeah, which is yeah. totally plausible to me. Quite honestly, I, I can't believe it's not more, but I think if they keep doing what they're doing, it's just it's yeah, no Amaz- question. Amazon, to my memory, has advertised on television for the Kindle, yep. yeah. but I've never seen any advertising for Prime. Yeah, I mean, that's just people don't know about it. I've told people about Prime 
lending library. They're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, prime streaming. What? I think that's the beauty of all those membership, you know, model businesses uh, that that are all encompassing, like Costco and and Amazon. Is that you have those. Um, <clears throat> Little uh, offerings yeah. as Jason, and you just keep adding to those, and the amount of incremental profit or cost of those versus the profit you're going to get is right. so high. I mean, the cost is so low relative to the, the return you're going to get on that investment, especially if you can get more and more people in there and spread the costs across a larger uh, uh, number of uh, subscribers and members. Um, and then the renewal fees are just roll from themselves. So it's really a beautiful um, business to have. And Costco, I mean, Costco generated three and a half billion dollars of operating. Cash flow over the last year spent 1.6 on capex, 400 million on dividends, and 500 million dollars on repurchases. That leaves about a billion dollars just sitting out there. So, like the opportunity to continue to invest in various ways, whether it's up in buybacks, increasing the dividend. The dividend doesn't doesn't yield very much right now, about one percent. So, those those are great businesses that if you can grow the store count and grow the membership base and grow the usage, there's a lot of leverage in there, and that's why Costco stock. Never sells at a discount. Always looks to be premium, yeah. premium yeah. price. But look at the returns. I mean, there's justified. So who else can pull this off? This membership model? Because I'm trying to wrap my head around. You know, with Costco, I was talking about this with Mac earlier. He is as devoted a, a, a fan of Costco as exists on the planet. Um, and Costco, you know, if you're a Costco member and that's where you're doing your weekly grocery shopping or, you know, every other week or whatever it is, obviously that's a a repeat purchase that you you need to make. As an Amazon Prime member, it's easy for me to just sort of make one. I I shop semi-regularly, but I'm not getting my groceries from Amazon Prime. But it makes me wonder about a business like Whole Foods or any grocer for that matter. Safeway, take your pick. Whole Foods, to a degree, is trying that. I mean, to their credit, they're they're developing those health and wellness clubs within their stores, and it's I think it's only in six or so stores at this point. But essentially, yeah, the health and wellness clubs they would give you uh, recipes, sort of ideas as to uh, whether that whether it's sort of improving your lifestyle, improving the health health your health of your lifestyle or whatever. Uh, I think you would get you would get in store discounts virtually all the way around as a member. You know, you're looking at something I think like a very nominal annual fee. I don't know how uh how big a vision they have for it but i know they're at least making that effort to see if it sticks but honestly even even if whole foods went the route of rewarding frequent shopping and just saying hey for a hundred dollars a year you get this this card and it's a five percent discount or whatever it is i don't know what do you i think, think john mackey i think we've asked john mackey that question here at the fool um not to uh I'm, I'm, Not I'm, to I'm, name drop. Well, no, I think I think <laughs> when that I was hanging out asked. with the founder of Whole Foods. Oh, I don't hang oh, out with John. Mackey. <laughs> um, when he came by our office, I mean, we're we're fans of John Mackey and um, fa- certainly fans of Whole Foods. And I think the the question has come up like, why don't you offer more kind of membership rewards, you know, basis? And um, the question really is, do they need it? Like, do you really need that? If yeah. you're Safeway. Or you're right now the way that they work yep. is that 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 kind of membership you get discounts and Whole Foods doesn't work on that. That's not their mo and it shows up in their margins. So, um, and another grocery store, another grocery chain doing doing a similar one to Costco. I mean, Costco spent years building this distribution platform, offering fewer items, fewer SKUs, far fewer SKUs than other stores, um, keeping their prices low, like. Very little marketing. I mean, the story of Costco is a thing of beauty and often underappreciated, but it doesn't happen overnight. So that membership model, while people may be like, "Oh, I'll just tack on a membership model onto my you know existing business," right. that may happen with one company in the world, and that was Amazon. 
when they tacked on Prime. And they've done it very well and it's been very successful. That doesn't happen with every other company. That's one reason yeah. why Amazon is so such a great company. But normally it's founded on that concept. Yeah, usually it's founded on that, like, 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 um, you know, Price Smart down in, uh, not Price Smart, sorry, um, uh, the Latin American version of That's Costco. Price Smart, isn't it? Is it Price Smart? Yeah, Price Smart, yeah, yeah, sorry. Price Smart. Um, that, that was founded on that, on that concept because it was, it was Saul Price when, who was, who was the mentor of Jim Senegal. Of Senegal, yeah. So, like, that was founded on there, but it's very hard to just tack that on and make it a meaningful, really truly differentiating experience for that company. Amazon has done it and they've seen some great success with Prime. Costco was built on, but it's hard to answer your question, your original question, question, Chris. It's hard to just tack that on. Uh, speaking of the story of Costco, for anyone uh, of our dozens of listeners interested, CNBC, they do great primetime documentaries, and they did one, I think it was a year or two ago, about Costco yeah. and sort of yeah. behind-the-scenes look, and it was just, it was fascinating. It, it you know, and, and I look at Costco, when we talk about innovation, frequently we're talking about Apple, Google, yeah. we're talking yeah. about technology companies. That's a great il- illustration yeah. of how Costco is an incredibly innovative company. They're just not doing it in the way that right. you know yeah. you would, we normally think about. Yeah, it. absolutely. Jason Moser, Andy Cross, guys, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you. you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Costco fan Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah.